Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the yes. alleys. He will whoop your ass. Yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court side and I'll be up in the blue seats. <laughs> Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. The final week of the regular season before we bring you Up in the Blue Seats playoff edition. Finally, it's here. We're looking forward to previewing and discussing the playoffs, whoever the Rangers end up playing. No guests, but of course, we're joined by Larry Brooks. Once again, the New York Post later in the show will also answer Post Sports Plus your member questions. We got a lot of them to get to. We will answer those. Your two hosts are back in the saddle, and that would be the Queen of the Post, Molly Walker, and her co-host, former Ranger number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, hello, everyone. Yes, the season has come to an end. Although we have one game left, lots to talk about today. We don't have a guest. We don't need a guest. We have Larry, Red Molly. We're going to digest what's happened this past week with the games that have been played, the importance of it, players' uh, feelings and thoughts going into the playoffs. Uh, my own thoughts about that. Playing Carolina, playing Montreal, two losses. And then the final game going against Washington. The imports against Washington. What does that mean? All this we're going to discuss today, but... I have to uh, make a mention that uh, for Chris Kreider, who's had a wonderful season, breaking the 50-goal mark, uh, he's been uh, rewarded with two awards. One of them that uh, is kind of close to me, actually both of them. The one is the Stephen McDonald uh, Award, which is the extra effort. And everyone agrees that Chris Kreider with his season deserves that award. And Stephen McDonald, if you don't know, the uh, former NYPD. Uh, I met him in my final season of 1987-88. And that was the first season of that award. I've known him. I uh, Not that I, I can say that I was close to him, but I would see him at games, him and his family. So congrats to Chris on that award. And then... Chris wins the first Rod Gilbert Award, which is Mr. Ranger. Mr. Ranger is really uh, Rod Gilbert as we know him. He was on the show, but I've gotten to know him closely. And that goes back to 77, where him and I were teammates and then became good friends working as ambassadors at uh, Madison Square Garden. And the award is really about honoring his legacy. And I think that Chris Kreider has done a wonderful job. So congratulations to Chris. But now let's get into it with Molly. Molly, I um, hope you're doing well. Um, we, uh, we just went through a couple games, one against Carolina, the other one against Montreal, players sitting out. The game that I want to chat with you about is uh, the Carolina game. You know, it was a game that um, it was an opportunity to win the game, to perhaps finish in first place overall. I saw an importance in that game, but I didn't see it on the ice from the players and I believe for, for you, you're thinking more, is it that important versus just protecting our players going into the playoffs, knowing getting hurt? I think that the Rangers wanted first place. I think that this team is has a lot of pride. And I think that 
considering how their season has unfolded and how many opinions and thoughts have swarmed their success this season, why they've been as good as they have been and such. I think that they wanted to to prove something and to finish in first. And I think that that would have been a, a colossal feat for them. So I, I definitely think that they tried against Carolina for sure. I just think Carolina is a whole different beast. And, uh, you know, what a, one of the re- reoccurring questions that we'll, that we'll get into from our post sports plus sub- subscribers soon is how do we beat Carolina is is what the question was. How do the Rangers beat Carolina? Um, and so we'll get into that in a little bit. But I just think that the Hurricanes are just a step above the Rangers right now. I think that the Rangers are on the cusp of, of being Stanley Cup contenders. I think that they are obviously playoff contenders right now. Um, but Carolina is truly built to go the distance right now. And I think that that's what separated them on Tuesday night, but I definitely, you know, we spoke to Chris Kreider after the game and he wanted it. He definitely wanted it. There were, there were definitely implications there that they were disappointed with having to settle for second, but obviously second place in arguably the toughest division in the entire league is not something to scoff at. So, but I think that, you know, against Montreal on Wednesday night, we obviously saw that they rested a bunch of players and, and that was the right move after Panarin and, and Andrew Kopp uh, suffered minor injuries against Carolina. I mean, that was that was a scare for sure. You lose Artemi Panarin right before the playoffs and that's just detrimental. How can you argue with a coach that wants to keep you out of harm's way for when the real games come up? Depending if I was trying to reach a goal, which might be trying to get to the 40th goal or 30th goal, whatever that goal might be, a personal goal. Uh, at times you have to, you struggle thinking, well, what's more important that I'm going after that personal goal or do I need rest? Do I need, sometimes it's, it's physical rest or mental rest, getting ready for the playoffs because ultimately uh, that's where you win the Stanley Cup. You know, you can have your personal things during the regular season, but really doesn't mean anything going into the playoffs. So I understand uh, like a Chris Kreider thinking, you know what, I, I may not get to that 54 goal mark and tie the record, break the record, but more importantly, and he's a team guy, we have seen that. He wants to be healthy and happy going to the playoffs. So resting a little bit, often it's not so much resting from playing the game because playing the game is fun. Playing at Madison Square Garden, putting the jersey on is fun. You get started and you love it. It's just, it's the mental rest that sometimes you need is the routine you're constantly going through. Just staying away, going and spending time with family or doing something different. It's kind of refreshing to be able to do that. So I understand the rest, but I want to go back to the game against Carolina. And, and I kind of saw that game differently because Carolina is possibly a team that they're going to go up against in the playoffs. And when I look at how Carolina played that game and how the Rangers played that game, the Rangers didn't look like they were ready to play a team that was going to come hard at them, not only trying to win first overall, but potentially they were going to send a message. And I was a little disappointed with the Rangers not matching up against their physical play at Madison Square Garden. So that was a disappointment. I'm thinking, wow, is this what we may see in the playoffs from the Rangers? And uh, so possibly I'm overthinking it, but I would have liked to have seen a harder hitting because they're because Carolina took it to the Rangers they roughed him up and I don't think you're I don't think you're far off in in being a little concerned if that's what you're going to see from the Rangers I think that 
their biggest hindrance, I guess you could say, is their lack of experience. And I think that going up against a team like Carolina, they have so much experience playing at this time of year and, and what it's like uh, in the last couple of games of the regular season, both before the playoffs, they know how to how to fine tune their game at this moment in time. And they know they know what they're doing and they looked as such like that's exactly how I described it. Like they they rough them up like pretty, pretty hard on home ice, like you said. So a lot of people ask me, oh, do you really think this Rangers team could go all the way? And I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked if they were swept in the first round, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they somehow made it all the way to the Stanley Cup, because that's just this Rangers team and, and the makeup of this Rangers team. What's on everyone's mind? Do you prefer to play Washington? Because right now there's a big question mark on Oveskin because I saw him go down. And it looks like it's his shoulder. And could he be ready? Or even if he plays, is he safe to play? Or you go against Crosby, Malkin, Latang over in Pittsburgh, which they don't have great goaltending. They have average goaltending. And so what's what's your poison, right? Jari is really, especially this season, he's just been a hit or miss. Like some nights he's lights out and other nights he's serving up goals on a silver platter (laughs) as we saw several times in the, in the Islander series last season. But I think that the fact that the Rangers were able to get in a lot of their depth guys against Montreal and probably will do the same against Washington. I think that's beneficial also because a lot of those guys hadn't seen game action in months. Libor Hayek hadn't played since like March and Julian Gauthier and some of these guys that God forbid they're, was a significant injury. A lot of those guys have been iced for months and hadn't played. So I think that getting them a little bit of a game action and and having them get back into game shape a little bit will definitely be beneficial should an injury flare up later in the playoffs. Uh, But obviously, I mean, as we've seen uh, against, against Montreal, which Montreal was riding a nine game losing streak coming into the garden the other night. It's just when they don't have their top guys in there, it's just, it's not really that much of a competition. It's just, it's definitely a a huge downgrade, obviously. But Ron, I, I wanted to ask you because I mean, it seemed like an afterthought, the fact that the Rangers lost their third in a row to Montreal on Wednesday, just because they were able to come out unscathed without an injury. And that was a big deal. But as a player, does it impact you at all when you're riding a losing streak into the playoffs? Or do you want to end on a high note? Does it matter? Does it not matter? I I think a lot of it has to do with your personal feelings about how you're playing. So if you go out and you lose a game, you feel like you've played well, then you're okay with it. Your line mates, you're playing well. But if you're struggling uh, your last couple of games, things aren't going right. You're not getting good bounces. You haven't scored a goal in a while. Then that's when it may get into your head a little bit because you you want to finish on a high note personally. But if you personally are okay with it and you're not looking at the scoreboard, you like your teammates, you like the attitude of your teammates, you have a lot of confidence in your coaching staff that you're going to be prepared. They're not panicking. So if the feeling around the team is okay, then I think going into it, you're okay, we'll be fine. Let's not worry about this because we know we can turn it up a notch. So I think it's a mixed bag. A lot of it comes from the coaching staff. And you can tell Gerard Gallant, he's not worried about it. Uh, they just need to control their emotion. And that first game, whether it's Monday or Tuesday, is going to be really important with them coming out and just – 
uh, being in control and playing their game. Yeah, I think Gallant had a had a pretty good quote the other night about, you know, he was asked because holding Zibanejad out of the lineup ended his he was a team high streak of consecutive games played. He played in 184 games in a row. So Gallant was asked about that. And he was like, I don't care about consecutive games. The guys don't care about that. The guys care about Monday coming up or Tuesday coming up. That's the bottom line. Chris Kreider has 52 goals. The record is just a couple away. It would be great, but that's not the most important thing in the world. And he said that they all bought into that. And I totally believe that. I think that they've preached team game, a team mentality and you're not going to be focusing on individual goals like that if if that's where your mind is at you know there will be a portion of fan guys who are mad they they have tickets for friday it's the final game of the year who are like wow if chris crowder gets a hat trick not only can I throw hats on the ice, but you're, there's going to be fans saying, hey, if he gets a hat trick, I'm seeing history. So do you see that side of it at all to, to what the fans are thinking? I do. I totally do. I think that, you know, especially with how much money people pay to come to these games, it's really disappointing when you get there and Artemi Panarin is not laced up. Chris Kreider isn't laced up. And you got to watch guys like Libor Hayek and, and Julian Gauthier in the lineup, which no knock on those guys at all. They're great. They're great kids. It's obviously not as much fun, but I mean, how can you complain? The Rangers are going to the playoffs. Playoff hockey is coming to the garden again. So I don't think that fans can really complain, but I, I see sentiment. I do. Yeah. If you're a real Ranger your fan you look forward to looking and seeing how these players are progressing in the minors like Zach Jones played last night and he to me he stood out like you can see that he's uh he's going to be a player if a player goes down he's ready to go and I love his game he's a little guy moves the puck well skates well uh he pinches and uh, he where, where, do, where do you go to school Ron did, did where did uh <laughs> go you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the big uh, loyal fan doesn't mind watching those players. And, and and I think the game against Montreal, thanks to uh, Georgiev, he kept the game very exciting. <laughs> Here he goes. Couldn't do it without mentioning that. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Molly, I, I, I got to believe that uh, when you're thinking Pittsburgh or Washington in that first round of playoffs, I, I got to believe you, there's a level of excitement and wanting to play against Washington. Yes, no, no doubt. I mean, selfishly, as a member of the media, we live off of entertainment. We live off of storylines. That's our bread and butter. And the Rangers play Washington in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, the storylines are just endless. Obviously, everything that went down with Tom Wilson last season and how the Rangers underwent a drastic change in the offseason with the types of players that they brought in. I just kept reading everyone saying the Washington Capitals broke the New York Rangers. And obviously that's not true. I genuinely believe that the front office always intended on bringing in, you know, sandpaper and gritty players. That was the next step in the rebuild process. So I think that that would have happened even without the whole Tom Wilson incident and the fact that the Islanders manhandled the Rangers last season on more than one occasion. So I think that it was going to happen no matter what. But yes, obviously that storyline culminated into the whole Tom Wilson affair. So I just think that to see the Rangers go up against the Capitals in their first big test of the season would be a kind of a full circle moment for them. 
And I think it would provide tremendous entertainment value. But obviously, if we're talking about who the Rangers would have the better chance against, I think that would be the Pittsburgh Penguins for sure, just because of how the last three games have have unfolded between those two in the regular season. The Rangers owned them, I'd go as far to say, in the last three games. Well, I'm going to ask you what I'm going to ask Larry. We're going to have Larry on here in a few minutes. I'm going to ask him this question. I'm going to ask you that the same question going into the playoffs, uh, because we don't know what to expect. We really don't because they haven't been in the playoffs. It's a new team, coaching staff, young players. Who would you say would be the player to watch in the playoffs? That's a really great question, Ron, because of how much of their success this season has been based on goaltending. I feel like I got to say Igor Shesterkin at the top of the list. This is Igor Shesterkin's first legitimate playoff series. No, no, no. The 2020 bubble playoffs do not count. It was one game. They were dead in the water at that point. And he played the third and final game. Like it it just doesn't count. I think that he could put on a show this playoff run. I think that the Rangers would be obviously at their best if Igor Shesterkin says, I'm just going to throw this team over my back and carry them to the finish line, which everybody has seen that this goaltender is absolutely more than capable of. If we're going forwards, I would probably say Artemi Panarin, just because I feel like he's the guy that the the rest of the team is going to be looking to, to set the tone, set the pace. And I just think he's playoff hockey for him is, is really going to be a a big jump. Yeah. Well, I'm in agreement with both those guys. The the, the player that I'm going to mention that he keeps uh, impressing me and he's building his confidence and his size, his strength, his speed, and that's Keandre Miller. Keandre is, is taking this game to another level. A lot of it, ha- I believe, has to do with Truba and the pairing there, and uh, he feels protected. He just, you can tell, he's getting bigger and stronger, and uh, he's just more comfortable, uh, allowed to try things. Uh, Coach Galan is allowed to be more of a puck carrier, but you watch his speed out there. It's really, uh, and that's what it takes. Playoff hockey, you got to just be able to be on your toes, play hard, and uh, play with confidence. So uh, the player to watch for me is, will be Keandre Miller. Hard. We need a uh, we need on loop. Molly saying he could put on a show. That kind of pumped me up when you're talking about Igor. Let's start his montage in the playoffs with he could put on a show, and he did. Selfless plug: If you are a Post Sports Plus subscriber and you want to read a little bit more about Igor Shesterkin going into the playoffs, you can read my article. We had some real fun stories from his early KHL days and his development in Hartford, and just teeing up what Igor Shesterkin can do for the Rangers in the playoffs. So go check it out. Well, I guess we should transition to post sports plus questions. First up from Stephen Benor and Richard Ramsey. It seems that the Rangers have a tough time playing against aggressive four checking teams, Carolina, etc. What is the best way to eliminate Carolina's four check? Yeah, well, part of it, it was something you used to be able to do. The defenseman would be telling their force, hey, listen, can you just hook them up, hold them up, get in their way, slow them down? Right. And we used to be able to do that. Now you can't do it. You can't hold them up because you're going to get a penalty. So you have to deal with it. You can basically skate in front of them, that sort of thing. But for the defenseman, they have an awareness and each defenseman is going to protect themselves. But Carolina's Carolina. They look like they really enjoy doing it. And that's the thing. You, you have to enjoy doing it. And Stahl, I mean, Stahl has gotten to be, I mean, he's a big guy out there and he's their captain. He leads that team. 
they look like they're having fun. It is a team that's very close. So and Anderson has gone save for save with Igor Shostak, and he's right up there as one of the top goalies in the league. JP wants to know if the Rangers cap situation this offseason forces them into choosing between either Ryan Strom or Andrew Kopp. Which one should they keep? It's a really tough question. It really is. And it is something that I'm, I mean, just Ryan Strom, I think in general, his whole situation is, I'm so curious to see how it unfolds. And when I tell you, I can't get Ryan Strom's agent to get back to me, Larry can't get Ryan Strom's agent to get back to him. So we have no idea what's going on. I'm pretty sure Larry reported that they opened up preliminary conversations, but it, you know, nothing really came of it. So I am very, I think that Ryan Strom is their priority just because of his history with the team, his connection with Artemi Panarin. I think he wants to be a Ranger, but Andrew Kopp has also been great. But I think that Andrew Kopp is just upping up his price tag, his free agency price tag right now. And he's going to get a fat payday at the end of the season. And it probably isn't something that the Rangers can afford. Yeah, that's an easy one for me. If we're talking the same kind of money, I'm going with Strom only because from what I've seen, I like him as a player. He's bought into the system. He's a good two-way player. I like how he fits with Panera and Panera being you know, one of your, your top player. He's part uh, of their core. You know, he's really, he's their core. He's one of their captains for a reason. He's a good guy in a dress room. He's a likable guy. Ranger fans like him. He's been around. You don't want to break up the team by making the choice on those two. To me, it's Strom all the way. All right, we'll do a couple more before we get to Larry Brooks. Ricky Fitzgerald wants to know a question. It's third pair defense. Who, in your opinion, will Gallant go with in the first playoff series? Will he trust Schneider or go with the two vets as the third pair? My thoughts are go with Schneider. I think Schneider really has done enough to earn Gallant's trust. I definitely say that confidently. But I also wouldn't be shocked. I guess maybe I would, honestly. I do think it's Schneider's. I really do think Schneider will be on that third pair no matter what. But I also, it wouldn't be crazy if Gallant went with Nemeth and Braun, just because we've talked so much about Braun having 100 games of playoff experience. And and that counts for something for sure. Um, Even though Schneider might be a little bit more of a steady presence on the back end, I think that Gallant has shown that he has a little bit of a preference for for experience. But I think that that would have come through a little bit more in these last handful of regular season games. I feel like if that were what he wanted to do, he wouldn't have been playing Schneider as much because he would be, you know, trying to build chemistry between Nemeth and Braun or or whatnot. So I do think that judging by his decisions at the end of the regular season, I do think that Schneider will be on the third pair. I think, and I think it'll be Schneider and Nemeth. Yeah, I agree. He's going to start with Schneider, depending on how he looks. <clears throat> if he has that composure that we have seen with um, not overhandling the puck, no overthinking it, uh, just move the puck. Cause that's what, that's how, when you're looking at playoff hockey, especially that game one, just move the puck, just be quick, move the puck, move it up to your forwards, Keep out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. Don't be trying to try things. Don't be too cute. And with the veteran defensemen, that's their game. That's how they're going to play. Plus, they're physical. They're going to be good and strong in front of the net. But I think he goes with Snyder just to see how he managed playoff hockey. I'm a Schneider fan because of the movie The Newsies, where the kid says, hey there, Mr. Schneider. Uh, James Culpis wants to know, I think Keandre Miller's up to his physical game the last three weeks or so. Is that what you see also even protecting his teammates and getting involved and not just being a bystander? 
Absolutely. We just talked about, it. I mean, he's run, he's Ron's player to watch for the playoffs for crying out loud. And, and that's just a, a drastic leap by itself, but absolutely no doubt he's taken tremendous strides in his game and his all around game. Honestly, I mean, his speed, the way he can back check, the way that he can bail out his defensive partners. It's just his leap in his offensive game as well has, has been crazy. He, the way he holds onto the puck, the way that he gets to the net, it's a lot of progress from him this season, for sure. Yeah, all of that. And he's got a little more involved physically. You know, like last year, he would skate, skate away from a little scrum in front of the net. Now he's going in, grabbing a guy, grabs a guy by the neck. He's a big, tall guy. He's got reach. And, you know, he doesn't have to fight. But I would have loved to have seen him do it one time, one time just to feel like he can do it, to feel his strength. Uh, and feel what it's like to get into a fight because if you add that to his size, strength, and everything else that he has, that players know that he will drop. Because if you're going against Pittsburgh, I've seen Sidney Crosby give him a few shots. And oh yeah, <laughs> they have something going on there. Sidney Crosby does not like Keandre Miller and vice versa. <laughs> well, well, no, because he checks him well, right? He's frustrating to play against. And Crosby, you don't think he doesn't know whether Keandre Miller is going to drop the gloves or not. He knows. He has watched them play. So he's picking on him a little bit. So I would have liked to have seen him give him a little smack. Yeah, give him a smack just to let him know. Hey, listen, you know, I would have liked to have seen that because if they play off against each other, you watch Crosby's going to mess with them a little bit. And it's how he's going to handle it. He doesn't want to you know, have to rely on uh, Truba to come in. You know, it's Crosby. Smack him back. <laughs> well, someone we won't be smacking back is our Hall of Fame beat writer, Larry Brooks, and he joins up in the blue seats next. Be nicer and shut up. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three <laughs> straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, guys were walking around in their bathrobes, like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We it's a two part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My mom said to me the other day, Molly, you need to switch up the way that you welcome Larry Brooks into the show every week. So so here we go. Please welcome the one and only Larry Brooks, our favorite, our number one guy, <laughs> my number one guy, truly. But yes. Hello, Larry. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We, we switched it up a little bit. Mom, I hope you're happy. 
in keeping up with the trend of switching things up, Larry actually has a question for Ron. So Larry, please, the floor is yours. Well, first, I I, I can get used to that kind of introduction. <laughs> <laughs> but my thought really is, and I was just thinking of this because I was thinking of the implications if the Rangers play Washington in the first round and, and even implications for Friday night's final game of the regular season that has really no meaning for the Rangers, but could have a fair amount of significance for the Caps. And I was thinking about Tom Wilson, and it's, it's amazing that a year later we're back to this, but it was such a seismic event last year that it's, I think it's silly to pretend, you know, to, to pretend it didn't happen or everybody's passed it. And, you know, maybe the Rangers are, uh, maybe the Caps are, but I, I don't think the Rangers town universes. But my question is, is I can't say that Tom Wilson intentionally hurts players. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't say that for a lot of reasons, but I don't know that. But I, but I do know that when I watch him play, I, I don't think he has the slightest, and this is my opinion, I don't think he has the slightest regard for his opponent's safety. I don't think he plays with a conscience. I mean, that's just the way, that's my opinion, watching him play for a lot of years against a lot of teams. And I'm wondering, Ronnie, when, when you played, it was, it was a, a different era. We know that. You know, I experienced it, you know, secondhand. But I'm wondering, did you think that you, that there were, that you faced opponents who either were attempting to injure you or, or your teammates or players or just had no regard for the safety of their opponents? Well, that takes me into Philadelphia. <laughs> and I felt like the whole team was trying to hurt me. And how do I know that? Well, Ben Wilson was probably the worst, but they knew exactly where to hit you in the wrist area and the hand area. And if you went by them and they didn't like you going by them, it was a slash in the hands. Now that's a penalty nowadays, but back then they hit you. Not, I, I think they're just trying to intimidate you. A lot of the game was about intimidation. Now, whether they're trying to intimidate you or they're trying to hurt you, I'm not quite sure. I know this. I've had several coaches say to us in a pregame meeting, they would refer to uh, taking the body and they would always say, listen, every time you hit someone hard, there's a chance you're going to hurt him. You're going to take him out of the game. Now, whether you're trying to hurt them, well, you know, the, certain players didn't mind doing that. But it, it, the idea of hitting someone, it wasn't just to throw them off their game, but po possibly they're going to get hurt. A good example of that is Ovechkin. The other day he fell and he got hurt. But there are players like Randy Holt. I don't know if you remember Randy Holt sure. played yeah, in yeah, L.A. Yeah. And he yeah. was awful. Uh, Clarkson, yeah. is it Clarkson, I believe, was a defenseman in Pittsburgh. Every time, and that's where I would tell my life is, listen, I'm just dumping it in. I'm not trying to go around them. Because if <laughs> I get around them, slash, slash across the wrist. So we would just dump it in. So You know what else back then was, was in vogue, and, and it's, it's totally gone for the game now? Guy, guys would try and cut you at the knees all the time. You had, you had players who would just go for the knees all the time. And that's something, you know, we talk about how there's more head hunting now. And I, I think there's actually a little bit less this year than there's there's been or, or maybe it's a, an after effect with the pandemic I, I don't know what it is but it seems to me there's been a little less of that this year but you never see guys going for knees anymore or you know if or, or if it happens it's you know it's 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 a it's it's a once in a season kind of thing where you know when i remember you know covering those games in the 70s where it, it was a common occurrence 
the, the guys would just try and cut you at the knees. Yeah. So you, do you mean a hip check or just knee on knee? I mean, just going, I mean, low hip checks. I mean, you know, hip checks that, that didn't get you at the hip, hip checks that just got you at the knees and, you know, rather than knee on knee. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one New York Ranger uh, that only played a couple of seasons with the New York Rangers, uh, he was a friend of mine, Dave Ferris. Dave Ferris, because uh, I played junior hockey with him, he would do it all the time. Then he did it a couple of times as a New York Ranger, and all of a sudden he had the whole Flyer team coming after him. They had a whole Boston Bruin team coming after him, and he thought, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, that was, to me, I love the hip check. I mean, back back in, even you go back into the 60s, 50s, you'd watch defensemen like Tim Horton. Tim Horton was the best at giving that hip check. So I guess we will see Friday night how that all unfolds. But you wrote about how you're mulling over your heart trophy vote and uh, whether Igor Shosturkin should get it. You know, have you made any more progress on that? And I guess just where is your head at now? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of thinking that Austin Matthews has earned the heart. I'll, I'll vote over the weekend. So there's I guess there's a day for me to you know, to still ruminate. I do believe that when, you know, a player is having this, that special of a season for a big time team, which the Maple Leafs are, um, 60 goals is, <laughs> 60 goals is 60 goals. I mean, scoring 60 goals. And and it's, and he's not only scoring goals. He's, he's been, he's been their leader this year. I think Matthews is going to be at the top. I know that Shesterkin is going to be in the conversation, my own conversation when, when I talk to myself, which I do fairly regularly anyway. He will be in the conversation for a second, but, but I was reading, and I think it was Elliot Friedman actually, who said that as he was um, considering what he was going to do. And, and he said that he had eight names for the five slots where you vote, you know, one through five. And I, and I think that's about right. I mean, this, this is an unusual year. There are, you know, Johnny Gaudreau deserves uh, merit, obviously Connor McDavid, obviously uh, Leanne Dreisaitl, Jonathan Huberdeau in, in uh, Florida. I, I think Sidney Crosby deserves the look. And I know that Shostarkin belongs there. So there are there have been a lot of top end performances this year. You know, there there are going to be disappointed fan bases. There are going to be disappointed players. Gonna, there's going to be cries of, uh, you know, East Coast bias and, you know, all that stuff. But a, a great season is going to be rewarded. And some great seasons are not going to are, you know, are not going to if, if the heart is the measure of recognition. So it's going to be a tough one, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I can tell you that Igor will be in the top five. That's for sure. Going into tomorrow night's game against Washington, for all the Ranger fans listening right now, give us a reason why we should be excited about the last game of the season, especially potentially if Wilson's in that game and potentially – the Rangers, uh, whether they win or lose that game, they may be playing against Washington. So, w- what are your thoughts? I know you're, I know you're very much wanting to protect your players, but give us a reason why we should be excited about tomorrow night's game. Getting an opportunity to see more of Zach Jones. <laughs> <laughs> no, not my reason, Larry. You, you know, fans' reasons. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, I, I think that is. You know, you want to see you know, can, you know, what Zach Jones can do. And, and um, look, I, I recognize that, that this may be antithetical to competition and to driving to the end. And I get it. I get there. Are, I get there's another side to this. I get that I'm not in their room, but to me tomorrow, the final game of the season is all about minimizing risk. It just is. 
I wouldn't play Shesterkin tomorrow night. I'm not leaving him vulnerable to a guy who races through the crease and wants to take him out. And I'm sorry. I don't trust the Washington operation. I just don't. Maybe unfair on my part. You know, it's my perspective that the Rangers have nothing to gain tomorrow night. Nothing to gain in this. Um, do they throw everything they have into it to win this game so that maybe they get the better, um, what seems to be the more favorable matchup in Pittsburgh, and then wind up facing the Caps anyway because the Penguins lose and, and, and Washington is, you know, and Washington still is going to finish in third place? Do they, do they want to throw everything into this meaningless game? And, and wind up losing and then playing Washington again starting on Monday or Tuesday. I, I just don't see there's much benefit in this game for the Rangers. I, I just don't. And, and again, you can, you can tell me I'm looking at it the wrong way and that I should think about it positively from the Rangers perspective. And, you know, maybe you'd be able to convince me of that. I, I don't think so. But, I, you know, I think it's a legitimate I think it's a legitimate argument. I do. I recognize the other side of it. But I just think there is so much more to lose here. For the Rangers tomorrow night. One guy gets hurt. There are a lot of good things about the Rangers, but one of them is not really their depth. You know, they are always one injury away from facing a, a you know, a massive deficiency. <laughs> they're, they're one top six injury away all the time from being in trouble, from scrambling. It would be my preference not to, you know, not to put any of these guys in harm's way tomorrow night. It's just, it's just the way I'm looking at it. If we're, if we're any other team they were playing, I'd say, yeah, play it straight. Go, you know, give, you know, give guys some rest. Guys who may, you know, benefit from sitting out a few days, rest them, but play it straight up. You don't have to worry about guys going out of their way to hurt you. Again, this is this is just one that I think um, that I think there's just so little reward and so much risk for the Rangers. I think they really need to be careful. Well, having said that, I one comment and one last question from me: uh, If uh, Wilson plays then Reeves has to be in that game to keep him he has to be to keep him in check I think we can all agree to that and that in itself could make it fun and exciting because Washington like you said may come up and want to send a message and the Rangers need to be prepared uh, according to what they see in the lineup uh, if that's the the deal anyways having said that yes there's a lot to be excited about this team going into the playoffs. So I ask you, and I ask Molly the same question. When you think about the Ranger team, who's that player that you're looking forward to? Who's a player to watch going into this playoff season that you think will stand out? Oh, I think Zibanejad. Um, I think this is Mika's year. We know how dazzling Panarin is. This could also be a coming out party for Shesterkin. You know, this is a platform for Shesterkin to to build on his national recognition and to establish himself as an elite goaltender because you're not really elite until you've done it in the playoffs, whether you're a goaltender or a player. And I think that opportunity for Mika to establish himself firmly in the in the upper echelon of NHL centers and NHL players is ahead of him right here in the playoffs. I, um, you know, it's interesting. He's played one. He's played one playoff season with the Rangers, 2016-17, his first year. And I am sure that no one remembers this because I didn't until I went back and looked and, and started reviewing things a couple of weeks ago. He was the team's leading scorer, 2017 playoffs. You don't remember much of an impact. He scored the, he scored the overtime winner in game five in Montreal. He was playing with Kreider and Buknevich, and they had just constructed that line in the playoffs that year. So, you know, Mika, I think 
first of all, you need your first line center to be a star in the playoffs. There's, there's no two ways about it. There's going to be a burden on him, but I, I look forward to seeing him meet that burden and carry and carry his responsibility and be a big time player for the Rangers. I, I, I think it's necessary for them. And I, I think it's something he's quite capable of doing. So to wrap this all up, Larry, how far can this Rangers team go realistically? Your playoff predictions go. Well, I'd like to know who they play in the first round. I think it would be a disappointment if they lose in the first round at this point. I do. I, I, I think by no means it is, you know, will it be a slam dunk against either Washington or Pittsburgh? These are legacy teams that have Stanley Cup championships in their recent past, but neither team has done anything in the playoffs since they won their cups, what, four and five and six years ago. So it's been a while. Pittsburgh, you're always contending with Malkin and Crosby and, and the impact they have on games, the impact they have on officiating. Washington is a whole other story. You know, we've gone through it already. I, I think it's fair to expect the Rangers to win the first round, presuming that Carolina gets through their first round and the Rangers play Carolina. They're going to have to be a lot better than they've been, than they have been in the regular season against them. Um, I did think Tuesday's game was, was kind of odd because there was a lot to play for, but it almost felt like there was very little to play for. It felt like first place had been decided over the weekend and the Rangers kind of were just playing this game. They didn't play well enough. You know, their power play, they went 0 for 7 in the final two games against Carolina on the power play, you know, two weeks apart, those games, each one uh, with first place kind of on the line. So that's a little bit disturbing. I think it would be an upset if the Rangers beat Carolina. But again, so so much happens in the first round that informs the rest of the, the rest of the playoffs that, you know, what happens if somebody gets injured? What happens if somebody catches fire? You know, if a line just catches fire, let's say the, you know, Heedle and Lafreniere and Kako are, are together and, and, you know, that line just plays out of its mind. And, and so, you know, they're on a high going into round two and, and there's a, a different dynamic. So I, I think it's, I think it's difficult to project, but I think that's kind of the bottom line. They're going to have to be a lot better against the Hurricanes in a second round season than they were against Carolina during the during the regular season. All right. Well, we shall see. But Larry, thank you so much for your time. And we'll chat again next week. Don't I have a, a flowery? <laughs> no, no, no I, I wasted it all in the, in the first one. That Molly, was enough for me. Molly, go big. <laughs> all right. See you next week. I'll, I'll talk to you. Wow. This Rangers team might be for real. All right, Ron, that wraps up episode 86, the Woj Tech Wolski edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake and Andrew Hartz, for producing this show. And can you say that again, that name? Say that again. Woj Tech, Woj Tech. Any of us know who he is, but apparently in the 2000s, he played for the Rangers for a few years. But good old Woj Tech Wolski. Well, the playoffs, Ron, begin next week. Prices are expensive. You know, they tickets went on sale the other day, about 200 to get in in the nosebleeds and we hope to do a live podcast potentially at American Whiskey in Manhattan. I think, Ron, we should wait to the second round though. I feel like we need some build up because, you know, if they lose first round, it's fans are pissed. But if they get to the second round, the hype in New York City is going to be real. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I've experienced the hype because I, having worked television in Madison Square Garden, I would be out among the fans asking questions, that sort of thing. But from one round to the other, the level of excitement, I mean, 
people are coming out of the woodwork to want to go see the Rangers. They want to, in New York, if you're a winning team, they want to follow you. So, yeah, let's wait until second round because we want to be able to do it. We do it live, correct? Yeah, I mean, the hope would be to do it. I mean, it'll be posted to for people who aren't there to listen to later. But the hope is after a game, I know Molly has her reporting duties, but maybe Larry could take some of her duties. And uh, hopefully Larry, it's, uh, you know, could join us too. We'll see. I mean, the hope was for after a game, a home game. So fans come from the game. Okay, I've done this before. I love it. I love the uh, interacting with the fans, because especially after a big win, they're full of energy. And to hear their thoughts and, and just to have someone on the show, plus our thoughts. Yeah, let's do it. All right, and we will get Andrew Hartz to bring drums in person, because then we don't have to worry about his neighbors and doing it too early and waking them with uh, Billy Joel drum beats. Got him stairs. Shut the hell up for number 10, Ron Game. Molly Walker, Andrew Hart. I'm Jake Brown. We will return next week. Stay tuned on Twitter and uh, Molly's Twitter, Ron, me, and we will let you know when the shows will be coming. Our hope is to up them to twice a week for playoffs. So stay tuned for what the schedule will be. Once we know the Rangers' first-round schedule, we will let you know the up-in-the-blue seat schedule. Enjoy the final game of the season, and we'll see you in the playoffs. Let's go, Rangers. My dad hit me in the leg with a shoe once. That kind of hurt. It was intense. It was nasty.